0: For those of you who are married, remember that joy, that excitement for the future, just that happiness? Family Life Today host Ann Wilson remembers those days, and she also remembers
1: how surprised she was when the past crept up. I think the biggest repercussion was the ability to resolve conflict in our relationship. I was 19 when we got married. Dave was 22. And so we weren't thinking about our past. We weren't thinking all these things would affect our present. And yet we would have our fights, and he would leave. And that wasn't my style. I grew up in a family that we would talk about everything. So when Dave would walk out of the room, it would make me furious. Not thinking, not even having the thought, well, of course he would leave and withdraw. Because conflict is a bad thing to him.
0: We're gonna talk about avoiders and pleasers, controllers and victims, and how our past informs our present and how to deal with that And this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week, I'm Michelle Hill. You know, if you were listening last week, you heard how we were talking about where to put the pain. You know, there are some really hard things that we face in life. And just what do we do with that? How do we process it, express it? And where do we find hope? And if you didn't happen to listen to last week's show, please go to our website, familylifethisweek.com, and that will help you have better context for this week. So this week, we're going to talk about just what does that kind of pain leave us with? Do we automatically grow into a healthy adult, or is there something that we need to be aware of? Ron Deal recently joined Dave and Anne and Bob Lapine on Family Life Today to continue probing into Dave's growing up years and to talk about how it affected his early adult years. Here's Anne talking about their early marriage.
1: The biggest repercussion was the ability to resolve conflict in our relationship. And I was 19 when we got married, Dave was 22. And so we weren't thinking about our past. We weren't thinking all these things would affect our present. And yet we would have our fights and he would leave. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't my style. I grew up in a family that we would talk about everything. We even yell at each other but still feel secure in the love. And so we would talk about everything. So when Dave would walk out of the room, it Mm -hmm. would make me furious. Not thinking, not even having the thought, well, of course he would leave and withdraw. Mm -hmm. Because conflict is a bad thing to him.
2: Right. You know, I'm not even connecting those dots. Yeah. But she would follow me mm-hmm. into the kitchen wherever and say, we got to talk. Which and Which probably I would, just made it worse. Oh, worse. I'd, I'd yeah. be like, get out of here. Yeah. What are we doing? Because, yeah. I, you know, now I know
1: I had this belief about conflict. It's bad. Right. You avoid it at all costs. Right. It, it ended in divorce. I it, remember sitting on this bed. He left and he went upstairs. He closed the bedroom door and he sat on the bed at night knock open the bedroom door and I sit right beside him and I put my hand on his leg. And I looked at him and I said, we just need to talk. Mm-hmm. And he said, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do.
3: Yeah, so there's a mechanism in him that he grew up doing a lot of. So of course he just continued to do that. And that is in, this, in the face of distress and conflict in a really hard situation, you just withdraw, you pull away, you retreat, you go back to where it's safe. And it wasn't safe to be with you in the conflict, so of course he would retreat. But I can totally see how, from your point of view, family, we stay engaged, we talk this out. Even if it's hard, we stay. That must have meant that he doesn't love me or something. Now, you said a minute ago, I would get furious. I'm wondering if you were really f- afraid. He's leaving.
1: I, To be truthful, I wasn't afraid he would leave, but I think I disrespected it. Uh. I thought, what kind of a man leaves? Mm. And to me, it appeared to be weakness, Mm. which think about how that relayed to Dave. What a horrible thing for me to relay to him. I think you're weak, which made him withdraw even more. Well, it's obvious that the
0: Wilsons have had a lot of communication over the years, and they have moved past that place just as they were talking about their early marriage, our growing up years really do affect how we do this adult thing well. Dave's the avoider, and Anne. She's not the avoider. You know, there is this thing called emotional attachment, and it gauges how well we attach or communicate to one another. And we all pick up habits and communication patterns growing up that we may not think about, like Dave's avoiding conflict. But maybe your style isn't avoiding. Maybe it's about controlling or pleasing. Mylan and Kay Yurkovich love to help couples work through these types of communication pitfalls. Mylan is a pastoral counselor, and Kay is a marriage and family therapist, and together, well, they write books and minister to couples and help them better understand each other through their love styles. Here's Kay talking about those love styles.
4: Avoiders flee. They detach. Pleasers freeze and get scared and try and make you happy. The ambivalent vacillators protest, but with no resolution. They're just telling you what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And then the chaotic folks that are, come from the very traumatic homes, the controllers just get angry. They have no other emotions under that anger. It's just always anger. And the victims just learn to tolerate the intolerable. So they tolerate the intolerable. And with all these ways of managing stress, there really can't be a decent conversation where two people sit down that aren't fighting, aren't fleeing, aren't freezing... And they're able to sit down and talk about difficult subjects. Or when there is a hurt, they're able to repair it. And those are very important skills that you either learn growing up or you don't.
5: Mylon, I want to go back through these five categories, make sure I've got them in my mind. Okay, so you have the avoider, which is the emotionally distant person who flees when there is distress or trouble or, you know, struggle. They want to get out of dodge. ESPN and just tune out, go passive. That's right, right. That's right. But then we stop and ask, "Does that resemble Jesus? Was he emotionally avoidant?" And the answer is no. Right? He wasn't. And we're supposed to grow up to resemble Christ. And I, Kay had to ask herself, "Does this resemble this avoider resemble Jesus?" And the answer was no. And then there's the pleaser. That was you. That was me, right. who was very fear based, proximity seeker, but for the purpose of knowing that I'm okay other dependent for my view of self. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're if you smiling, then I'm smiling. Mm-hmm. If you like me, I like me. Right. If not, I'm in trouble. And it's not you, it's me, I'm in trouble. Then there's this ambivalent, preoccupied person that we call the vacillator. And they are perpetually ruminating about closeness and distance in relationship. And they, they obsess on it because they're worried about separation and distance. And then they get angry. And they are the protester who wants things to be a certain way and you didn't make it that way so you're in trouble. And then there's this chaotic disorganized home which according to one researcher is a home where there is fright without solutions for the child. So the child tries many different things including maybe all these mm-hmm. aforementioned styles and As adults often flip either into the controlling, dominating person as an adult or the person who remains perpetually the victim in the child. So these would be what we call the insecure attachment styles. The secure attachment, which is what we're trying to grow into, which is the growth into the image of Christ, Christ was securely attached. And we want to grow more into His image. And that's what the journey of our sanctification is all about, is maturing so we look more like Christ. And that secure attachment looks like what? Jesus. Okay, so it looks like Jesus. What does it look like in your marriage? Okay, so Kay, you want to share a thought yeah, on that? I'll,
4: we actually have an assessment online, and it's an assessment of a secure connector. But I'll just give you some examples of things that I had to learn to do to become a secure connector. A secure connector can name... Eight feelings they have on a regular basis. I couldn't do that previous to our Mm -hmm. work. A secure connector can repair when there's a rupture. A secure connector can have a conversation and control their reactivity, whether it's fight, flight, freeze, whatever. They're able to control that and stay present. Mm -hmm. Um, A secure connector is a good listener, they're able to draw another person out. A secure connector is a good receiver as well as a good giver. He was a great giver, but a terrible receiver. I couldn't do either. (laughs) So when you, the avoider, marry someone of a different style, you will create a core pattern or a bad dance that we can predict before you ever tell us what it is. Hmm. And this is what explained that core dance we were talking about in our marriage, where it's that same repetitive cycle. And you're thinking, where is this coming from? It's really coming from broken attachment styles. And God created attachment. Really what researchers did is they, they just looked at how sin plays out.
2: Yeah, they just discovered how two
4: people y- y- what, connect with each it's other. It's really two histories colliding. Mm-hmm. Two ways of being trained colliding in a marriage. Kay Yurkovich and her husband,
0: Milan talking about those attachment styles and really the broken attachment styles that we bring with us into our lives. And those attachments, they tend to be broken because of sin and the sin that lives in us and the sin that's living in a broken world. And so Kay and Mylan are trying to help others understand their love style and their attachment style to get beyond and to truly love as Jesus loved. Now they have a quiz on their website that would help you and your spouse, if you have one, uh, understand just what your attachment style is and how to really become a secure connector. I found out that I am a pleaser. Of course, you probably knew that. I already knew that because most personality tests that I take score me high in the harmonizing and peacemaking tendencies. And you can, of course, find that quiz Online at familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. It might take 15 minutes, but it will help you understand yourself better and probably your spouse if you're married. Hey, we need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking about how the past affects the present if we don't deal with it. Stay tuned. I'll be back.
3: You're a harmonizer.
6: Mm hmm. <laughs> This is what's known as a shepherd tone. As long as you listen, it will sound like the tone gets lower and lower forever and ever and ever. For some, that's how marriage feels. It's just getting worse and worse forever and ever and ever. The tone can also be reversed and sound like it gets higher and higher. And for others, that's how marriage feels, as if it will only get blissfully better and better automatically forever and ever. But in both cases, the tone is an illusion. Whether you feel hopelessly in love or just plain hopeless, Family Life's Weekend to Remember is a chance for you and your spouse to get away and hear the truth about God's design for your marriage. No illusions. Family Life's Weekend to Remember. To find out more about a getaway near you, visit weekendtoremember.com. Are you stuck in the past?
0: For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal.
3: You know, life teaches many lessons. We all make mistakes, and hopefully, we learn from those mistakes. But sometimes it's hard to live out the lessons learned when you're still stuck in the mistakes. I hear this occasionally from stepparents who have difficult or distant relationships with their own biological children. They just can't allow themselves to invest in their stepchildren. Guilt gets the best of them, and they can't enjoy the present. But we should, as Paul says in Romans 6, count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus. Learn from your mistakes and live out His grace today. Your past is not your present. God's peace is. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal.
0: To find out more, visit familylifeblended.com. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. We've been talking today about. How our childhood affects our future, our present in so many ways. We've been talking about love styles and just the effect of living in a broken world, the effects of sin. And, you know, Dave and Ann Wilson hosts a family life today. They've been married for 40 years, and so they made it through those early rocky stages of marriage. And they grew, and they learned from each other, and they shook off some of those sin issues. And I just found it encouraging when I found this audio clip of Dave giving some advice to his younger self. Here's Dave.
2: What I know now, I wish I had known then, and it is this, you are loved. Hmm. You are actually secure. Even if it's only your mom's love you can feel at this point or see mm-hmm. tangibly, mm-hmm. it's real. And there's a there's a heavenly father that's there even though your earthly father, you mm-hmm. can't see it or feel it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that then. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have known it then. And you don't have to become your dad. Yeah. In many ways, my withdrawal, even that I brought into my marriage, was a copy of the sins of the father. The man Mm -hmm. I don't want to become, I'm becoming in many different ways. That could have been avoided if I'd known I was truly, truly loved, and I just didn't know it.
1: Hmm. I think I would have, if I was sitting across from me, I would have reminded myself that marriage is this beautiful agony. It's beautiful in the fact that you learn how to love someone unconditionally, and that doesn't come naturally or easily. The agony is, it's a mirror, Mm. and it's showing you your weaknesses and flaws. I think before I got married, I would have never thought that I would be an angry person and I would ever yell. Mm. She was always deep down there. It was just the pressure of marriage exposed it. And so I think I would have told myself, be patient and don't be surprised. And here's the biggest thing. Don't expect Dave to meet all of my needs, Mm -hmm. and don't expect Dave to be just like you. It's beautiful the way God made Dave, and us having to figure out this whole conflict resolution pattern became one of the best things in our marriage. And so I would say, take your time. Don't be surprised at the baggage you're going to discover, but be looking and then go to God and say, God, I can't do this. Give me wisdom. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he gives generously to anyone who asks. What great words from Dave and Ann
0: Wilson, encouraging us that God is always working. He's always working in our lives. You know, for some children, like Dave, he was dealing with abandonment and fear of conflict. And for other children, they're dealing with abusive parents or hard parents. And still, yet others are dealing with parents who have very high expectations of their children. Whatever pattern you came from, you probably did learn from that. And unfortunately, sometimes it follows you into your adulthood. And that's what happened with Julie Pleggins. She knows this well. Her dad was a successful businessman who switched to ministry that became successful. He had high expectations on Julie and her siblings very high expectations. In fact, at times they were unhealthy expectations.
7: Here's Julie. My parents were at the end of their rope when I was little. And so I saw the end of what it looks like after you have everything and not God. So you have to realize both of my parents did not come from believers. And so they went from one big life. Mm -hmm. After they closed the restaurant down, my dad ended up as the janitor in our church. And then several years later, he became an associate pastor. So I went from one very big life to another very big life. And so I was in fishbowl after fishbowl and a lot of pressure to perform. And when you have children growing up and you're in the ministry, and the last thing you want your kids to do is to start embarrassing the family. So I grew up as a very high achiever. Uh, I made honor roll, cheerleader, you know, who's who. All the things that you do. And my sisters were even more amazing, valedictorian, captain of the cheerleading squad. All three of us were high achievers. We were pretty much—that's the only box we were allowed to check. Mm. And it was severe. It was hard. I can understand my parents, though, because it is very difficult when you have, you know, a ministry family. Everybody's watching. You don't have margin for error.
2: Yeah, now when you say it was hard, there's emotion there. What is that? What are you remembering? What are you feeling?
7: There were some threats. It was you do this or that, mm. you know. It was hard that way. Fear. And I think my parents would go back and do it differently now.
1: But you were all very image conscious. Very Your parents image. were, yes. which made you very aware of mm-hmm. what people felt or thought about you.
7: Yes. And any kind of maybe disgruntled, you know, any type of, you know, feeling, thinking, opposing was shut down very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that was not really allowed in my house. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, this is where we're doing things and you need to get in line and do it now. Mm -hmm. So I had one way to cope and that was stuffing my emotions. So to go back and answer your question, Mm -hmm. you get 40 years of stuffing and you get sick.
5: So take us to the point. Where you came and said, it's not healthy for me to have an ongoing relationship with my family.
7: I started tracing back. It was more around 18 to 20 years old. I started having health problems, and they just kind of progressed. So by the time I was 40, I had really been having some major stomach issues. And and you're married
1: at this point. I'm
7: married with two children.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: So i really sick after about three months of losing 30 pounds. We went to the I went to the doctor, and they did a colonoscopy, and I woke up, and the nurse was in there alone with me, and she said, "You have Crohn's disease. You are going to lose your colon. You're going to have a bag the rest of your life, And it is irreversible." And she walked out that was it. that was it. And so this is my destiny. I'm supposed to live the rest of my life this way." And I was sitting there thinking, "I can't do this." and I started thinking how I got here and I realized how much bitterness and anger I had inside of me and how much I had been stuffing my whole life. And it was that point I realized that I only had bitterness, but I was just filled with hatred Mm -hmm. and it was towards my parents.
0: Julie Pleggins, sharing about her story and her style, her love style. Did you catch that? She's a stuffer. And stuffing is what took her on a hard spiritual journey. And she got physically ill. You know, whatever pit you find yourself in right now, there is a way out. And my friend Leslie Leyland Fields, she was in a similar pit because of her past. She had a terrible relationship with her father, and her first step in reconciling or trying to reconcile with him was to take her children on a very long trip to meet the grandfather they didn't know. Here's Leslie.
8: We flew down to Florida for them to meet their grandfather for the first time. And I knew it was the first time, and it was probably also the last time. I had talked about my father very much. They knew nothing about him and they, you know, they weren't particularly interested, but I knew that for future reference, they just needed to meet him. By the end of that visit, I was there, we were there together for about four hours and my father was resistant. He did not talk to me. He, did, he, he didn't look at me. And at the end of those four hours, I determined that's it. I'm I'm done. I am really done. I wiped the dust off my feet, and I went back home, and I thought, the door is closed. I'm done.
0: She tried, right? Leslie Leyland Fields tried. She tried to reconcile with her dad, and, and he wasn't having it. So she had every right to give up, right? But Leslie made another faithful choice. Step two of the reconciliation, she checked into her father's past and talked with family members, and she got some empathy for who her father was and who he had become. And then she flew back down to Florida to talk with her dad again and was able to be there at his bedside when he passed away. All of this has changed Leslie, changed her for the better. God changed her. Here's Leslie
8: again. Forgiven people must be forgiving people. And I hope that we can start right there in our families. And I have to say, my life has been changed. Forgiving my father has changed my life. Because it is, it is turning me into a person who wants to forgive. Who is ready and quick to forgive. I'm not perfect. I'm, you know, watch, someone's going to hear this broadcast and they're going to, they're going to test me and they're going (laughs) to, please don't do that. (laughs) But um, my, you know, I, God showed me his heart of mercy toward my father. My, my father was given Christians, all along his path right up until the moment he died. That's how much God loved my father. He gave them unending moments of mercy to lead him to himself.
0: You know, Leslie's entire story is a very powerful story. And I've covered that in a previous show. You can go and hear her entire story at familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. You know, wherever you are coming from today, you know, sometimes those past hurts are ones that really can start taking us down. I was talking with someone just last night and someone who had lost their dad not so long ago and... Their dad's death really sent them in a tailspin. It wasn't because they were close. It was because of some unresolved issues. And that story doesn't just belong to my friend. It could be shared honestly and truthfully from many people's standpoints, maybe even yours. If that's you, you might have a tendency to get stuck in the past. But I ask you and I challenge you to break free. Ask God to give you wisdom, to break those old patterns that might be plaguing you. Do what Jesus said and what Leslie did forgive. Hey, if you're a mom or a dad, You remember when your baby was about a year and starting to stand on those chubby little legs? They were so unsteady at first and they fell a lot and they toppled over and you probably had this desire to make sure that all the sharp corners were filed down in your house and you added extra pillows in different places so they wouldn't get hurt. You remember those feelings? those feelings of anxiety and worry that your child's not going to live another day because, well, you bought the wrong safety gate and it broke and they fell down the stairs. Well, we're going to talk about parenting anxiety on the next Family Life this week. So I hope you can join us for that. Hey, I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. And a big thank you to our team today. Our program is a production of Family Life today in Little Rock, Arkansas, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life this week.